Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. Today, I am here with a special guest. I'm going to bring her on in just a second, but we're going to talk about something that is really important to me to keep this conversation going in the homesteading world, and that is on taking your backyard chickens and making them more resilient, making them more sustainable in the world that we're living in right now. Um, you know, it's really easy to think that just because you have some chickens in the backyard that, you know, you're good to go no matter what happens in the world. I've heard that actually a lot. I have chickens. I'll just eat eggs, you know, but the reality is, is feet can be hard to get sometimes. So we're going to be talking about other sources of chicken feed today. So I want to introduce you guys to Dahlia from Chickenlandia. Hey, Dahlia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Now, if you guys don't know Dahlia, you really want to check her out. She has a really fun YouTube channel. She also just had a book come out this year. Um, show us your book. Let's see it. <laughs> Let me see if I can do this where it like fits in the screen. Yeah, there we go. I like here. I'll, I'll see if I can make you go. Oh, I don't can't figure that out that fast. There it is. Let's all keep chickens. I love the cover. It just makes me laugh. Like I just wanted to get it because of the cover. It's so much fun. <laughs> yes, that's what people like it. People like the cover a lot. <laughs> I love how you bring humor into everything that you're doing. It's it's a lot of fun, but there's something actually else about you that I like even more than the humor. And I think it's so cool because it's the exact way my mind works a lot of times is you're often diving back and asking yourself the question, how did they do it before? Yes. And I love that because that's what I do often. Like how, how did moms take care of a brood of kids before they had screens and they had, you know, school to ship them off to. And, you know, how did we feed the chickens beforehand and before we had industrial agriculture? And so I just love the way your mind works on that, which is why I wanted to bring you on today. So we could have a fun conversation about all of those good things. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate that. And that, you know, it's just so important to me and honestly, like I haven't always thought in those terms. Um, when I first got chickens, first of all, I can't, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I live in Bellingham, Washington. Um, but I moved here from Los Angeles. I was working in Hollywood. My husband is still, he's an aerial cinematographer. So I was like living this life that is so far removed, I'm sure, from what you are doing. Like... <laughs> I've always been a concrete critter, you know. I <laughs> I grew up in the in the suburbs and I've lived in many cities and so I just grew up very disconnected from my food and when I first got chickens that is where I was at. And I think that's a lot of people's experience that they're just like, you know, they they come to this point where they're they have this feeling and they might not not even be aware that this is actually what's happening, but they have like this feeling of returning to something that has been lost. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I did have that, but I wasn't really aware of it at the time. And, you know, I, I went online, I read all the blogs, I bought all the things. My husband used to say every egg was a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, as I continued on my chicken keeping journey, I, I started to change. And in 2017, I did a TEDx talk called I Dream of Chickens. 
And when I was doing, this is really when it started to happen. Cause I, I had this feeling, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with it here. I'm just going <laughs> to go for it. Good. My, first, my first thing I was going to ask you is how did you get into chickens? Like, how are you, who you are today? So you just, just go for it. I love it. Well, <laughs> you know, what I like to say, and it's true is when I came home from the farm store with the little box of baby chicks and I picked each one of them up. And before that, I hadn't even handled, you know, maybe once before that I had handled a baby chick. I, I picked them up and I put them in the brooder one by one. And in that moment, I, I changed. Like I really, this passion came alive in me. And it's so funny because when I was a little kid, I did not lie in bed at night and think, I'm going to be a chicken lady. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be a chicken teacher <laughs> when I grow up. Like, not in the cards at all. And when I left Los Angeles, you know, the reason we left is because we wanted to kind of get away from that, like, rat race of Hollywood. And, but in doing that, I kind of let go of these dreams that I had. Because I went there to be a writer and, you know, I was going to write. I was going to make movies. I was going to do all this stuff. And of course, reality hit and, and that didn't happen. And so I, I was mourning at the time I was mourning like the loss of that dream. And when I got those baby chicks, I feel like in that moment, my heart opened. And when that happens, you know, a new, a new dream can come in and it did in like a big way. Like, I mean, I had a, I had a bait, you know, a young, very young child. He wasn't even two yet, but I was posting, this is so shameful, but I, I was posting more chicken pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the grandparents were like, what is going on? We love your chickens. We really want to see the kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I just got super duper passionate about them. And then the community college contacted me and they were like, do you want to teach a class? And I was, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, but I've had chickens for like six months. Like, and, <laughs> and they were like, well, we just really love your enthusiasm. And it just, you know, you can just tell how passionate you are about it. So then I just really did a lot of research and everything. And I started teaching that class. Then I, then um, the home show, the local home show asked me to do a seminar. And then it was just like, I was doing classes and seminars and, and then I was doing the TEDx talk. And at that point is when I really started to learn like the history of chicken keeping, but I didn't change, you know, I started writing the book in 2019 and when uh, the whole COVID thing happened, I went back and I changed a whole bunch of it because I realized like, this is, this is not just about like keeping chickens or getting eggs or whatever. This is about how human beings survive. You know, we're, we're, we're in all this turmoil. It's like, how can we kind of have our feet on the ground and remember, okay, this is, we've, we've been through a lot and all the things that we've been through, war, famine, natural disaster, all that chickens have been right there next to us. You know? <laughs> so that's where that, that feeling came from. I really just started looking back into my own history. Um, and I also love recognizing that not only is this part, a huge part of my history, it really is, but it's in all of our histories. Yeah. So in this time when we're so divided, everybody hates each other. Like, I mean, in the, in the, you know, then the last few years, it's just gotten horrible. Yeah. We can remember, okay, but we all have this in common. So can we start there? Like, <laughs> you know, chickens, let's start there. Change the world. Yeah. I, I really love that because it's so true. There's, um, we have so many allies, I think in yeah. our fight in the world, <laughs> fight to survive, to be healthy, to be well, even mentally. And sometimes we, we forget about that, right? Yes. We want to box ourselves out of that because their work or their relationships, they're, they're, you know, they tie us down in certain ways, 
But when we think of them as our allies, um, it really changes the scenario a little bit. It also changes our relationship to them and our desire to take care of them well in exchange for what they can give us, which is, I think anybody who keeps chickens realizes really quickly that what they give us is a lot more than just eggs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we read at the television, the ch chicken antics are so much better anyways. We were watching some out in the front pasture the other day, and we were just laughing at these chickens, and they were running through this tall grass, and they just were, you know, these big beefy hens were just kind of working their way through. It was just hilarious. Um, and you think, gosh, there's not, there's not anything that good on television anymore, you know? So yeah, get rid of it and watch the chickens instead. So <laughs> if you had to boil it down to one thing, could you like, do you have a sense of what your favorite aspect of chicken keeping is? I would say it's the connection with nature. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned earlier that there's this feeling that many of us have gotten certainly in the last few years where it's like, gosh, I, I really feel like something's missing. And I think if you listen to that, if you listen to that little voice inside of you, you will find that we can find some of that, some of that fulfillment when we go back to nature, when we go back to where we came from. And the wonderful thing about chickens is that no matter how I feel, you know, I got to go out in the morning and deal with their feed and deal with their water and let them out. And, and in that moment, I, you know, I could go out there with all of, you know, all of my list of things that I have to do that day. And I'll feel very overwhelmed. And, you know, my kids need this and that. And I got to take them to school and all this stuff. But when I'm out there with the chickens, uh, it, it is a p very peaceful experience. It's almost like, like a meditation for me. I'm out there. I can go out there in a lousy mood. And by the end of it, I'm like singing, you know, their personalized songs, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever, talking to them, you know, their little names and all that stuff. And I, I love that I'm able to have that experience. I really want everybody to have that. And that's, you know, that that's a big part of what I do is that I would, I want to see people that live in apartment buildings in the inner city to have community chickens. You know, there's no reason why we can't do that. I, I want people that don't have access to nature. Like I do, I live on this big piece of land. You know, I get to have this experience, but there's other people that don't, they live, you know, in the city but that connection with nature is still super important to, you know, for them. And it is their right as a human being to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll say, hey, you know, in today's world, if you want to reconnect with nature, why not just get some chickens, you know? <laughs> and, and of course, you know, I'm working on uh, trying to normalize chicken keeping so that we do get used to it again in our neighborhoods, in our cities, the sound of chicken keeping. Um, you know, we can talk openly about, okay, what are the things that scare us about having chickens in our neighborhoods? And let's work on that and see how we can move forward. Because if we're going to, if we're going to be saying, oh, we care about the environment. Oh, we want to you know, make everything sustainable. But then if you can't stand the sound of a rooster, <laughs> you need to think about what your priorities really are. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that because somehow there's this thought that, you know, if you're going, if you're being concerned about the environment, you're being concerned about what's around you, that somehow you're against any form of agriculture. And that's just not at all true. Like bringing your footprint smaller really means bringing your food closer, doesn't it? Yeah. And like getting your food right there in your backyard. And um, so when we talk about our priorities, sometimes it's easy to talk and not so easy to live what we're actually talking about. But I, I agree with you in the case of chickens. I think that should be something that is, is fairly normalized for everybody. And it is in other parts of the world. It's kind of some of our, our Western culture that just wants to really draw these lines between city and country. That's the thing. Like my family is from Guatemala. Okay. I was born in the United States. 
my mom and dad were born in Guatemala. And it's like, if you go down there, there's chickens. Like there's ch- <laughs> you know? chickens are just part of the ambiance, yeah. you know? And I, I, I really think we need to look at why, why, why do we have these feelings about chickens? What is it that is specifically about the sounds that they make or, you know, the, a lot of times people are worried about that they make a mess or they smell or anything, but you know, all of those are things that we can deal with when we have the right education, but there's a specific thing and we need to look at how, how, why we have these feelings that, Oh, chickens are low class. And then at the same time, what we've done now is we've actually made this situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, high class people can have chickens, but in order to keep chickens right, you have to have all these things. You have to spend all this money. And if you're not doing it like this, then you're not doing it right. And that really gets to me. It, it ruffles my feathers. What I don't <laughs> um, because it is putting roadblocks in front of people, yeah. you know, poor people specifically to having this experience, not only of just like getting the fresh protein in their diet, but also having the experience of that connection with nature. And that does not belong only to people that can afford how they think it should be done. It belongs to everybody. And I know that because the poor, literally the poorest people in the world have chickens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it works and it works for everybody. It works for the chicken and it works for the people. And it's, it's good to, um, you know, reopen that up to take it away from that specialty thing, just like you're talking about. You know, you don't need Pinterest chickens. You don't need <laughs> you my chickens are not Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love. I would love one of those chicken coops with a chandelier hanging in it. It would be great. It would my- also be covered in dust in about five minutes in my life, and I'm sure it is in everybody else's life too. They just vacuum it before they. Put, take the Pinterest picture, right? Yeah, my whole life is covered in dust. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it real. So let's um, talk about though chickens and eating because chickens have not just been fed grain forever. I mean, obviously we have the original wild ancestors of what we call our domestic chicken now, mm-hmm. but also in relationship with humans and in agriculture, Um, you know, historically they haven't necessarily just been fed grain. It wasn't really until we had this, you know, commercial agriculture, big ag kind of come in and start giving us the feed stores that chicken feed looks like it looks like now. Yes. It's a created need. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what, you know, what is a modern way? How did this kind of come about this modern way of feeding chickens? Well, I mean, it came about from taking them out of pasture Mm -hmm. and putting them into buildings and tiny cages. Yeah. That's where that, that's where that came from. And it's not that people didn't feed chickens grains or whatever, you know, they would go outside with corn or, you know, some grains or whatever, but specifically like chicken feed is relatively new. And I think it's confusing sometimes for people when I talk about this, because if you look at, if you, you know, if you read my book, if you watch my videos, if you take my course or whatever, I talk about something called the Chickenlandia chicken food pyramid. And so in that, in that period, it's so much better than the human one. I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's when you actually want to on it. Like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, what I wanted to do, because I'm kind of like, like I kind of see myself as like the the connection between the people that are just getting started. People live in the city, people live in the suburbs. They're not out in the country. They're not homesteading in that way. So I'm kind of like the connection between them and like the, the, the actual people that, you know, farmers. Okay. And I have that connection because that is where I came from. I, I came into the chicken world with, zero knowledge of any of this. Okay. So I understand where they're coming from. And to be very honest, like when I look at my chickens there, I have a lot of rescue chickens. Okay. I keep keep that, you know, there's some that are like 
12 years old and they lay one egg a year or whatever. Okay. That is where I'm at. And that's how, you know, because of what chickens have done in my life, I kind of feel like I owe that to them. Like it's kind of like this spiritual connection that I have with them. But I also understand that that's not how everyone is doing it. And it's certainly not how everyone should do it. Certainly if you're not like, if you're not wanting to go like completely sustainable, Mm -hmm. no, it just, it just wouldn't make sense. And I'm okay with that because any chicken that's not in a factory farm is okay with me. Yeah. And that's my goal. I want, I want chickens to be safer and happier. And I want human beings to be safer and happier because factory farms are just so um, dangerous on so many levels. And we don't really think about it in terms of like, you know, how, how awful it could be, you know, when this system that is so fragile and has so much power kind of breaks down. Hmm. So, oh gosh, here, I'm really getting into it now. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh yeah. So the, the, the chicken landia chicken food pyramid. So if you look at that, you'll see that, uh, layer feed or whatever stage of life your chickens are in, like that's the bottom tier. So it's the biggest part of their feed of, of their diet. And then above that would be like greens, healthy kitchen scraps, mostly vegetables, low sugar fruits, stuff like that. And then at the top you have treats, um, you know, healthy proteins. And if you're going to do grubs or mealworms or whatever, they would be in that top tier. Now, some people who are, you know, in the homesteading world will look at that and be like, well, hey, that's not like totally sustainable um, because you've got the chicken feed there. But what I'm doing is I'm speaking to my audience on a, mm-hmm. on a level where they can begin. And certainly like that's where I'm at too. And so, but I will always say this is the chicken landia way, but it's not the only way. And it may not even be the the best way. It is just the way that I am doing it because I have production breeds in my flock, like many people do. And I want, I know that they have really high nutritional needs that human beings have created. You know, chickens didn't, the, the jungle fowl did not lay, lay 318 eggs a year or whatever. <laughs> you know, <it's> like... <laughs> Well, I think this is such an important discussion too, because, you know, we've had times in our homesteading career where we were homesteading because we were so broke that, you know, we could barely afford any chicken feed. And we, um, you know, I want to say this with a great caveat, turning your chickens out and letting them range is, cannot equate starvation. Otherwise you're abusing your animals, right? That's not a good taking care of your animals. However, if you have enough land and you have enough space and you have enough growing and insects, you can allow chickens to do a vast majority of their own food gathering, but they're not going to get as high of a protein and you're not going to get as many eggs. So there's this trade-off that happens. So when you're in a non-emergency or non-survival situation, you have the opportunity to bring in that chicken feed and that layer feed, provide that higher uh, protein content to them. And in exchange, you're going to get a lot more eggs. So I think it's very interesting that there's kind of this balance that can happen while you have it available, when you have it available, absolutely go with, you know, a base of that chicken feed. That's what we do. We, we feed our chickens layer feed. Um, and along with some other things that we feed, we can talk about that in a few minutes, but, um, you know, we're not trying to necessarily reinvent the wheel when we have things available. Right. Yes. But what did chickens naturally eat before we were doing this, uh, big ag before we had bagged feeds the way we do, how did people uh, feed them? Well, they, I'll, I'll tell you how my great grandmother did it in Guatemala. Uh, <laughs> she would feed them whatever the family wasted. Yeah. And it was like, you know, tortillas, and <laughs> whatever, you know, squash or whatever they had, uh, you know, fruit from that they, that they didn't eat or whatever from the trees. Um, Whatever they would normally waste would go to the chickens. 
And then they also had, you know, I imagine they probably had like a dog or something because a lot of people would have that to protect the chickens. Otherwise, the predation down in, in the jungle is is serious. You know, we, <laughs> we think it's bad up here. It's like, wow, there's like, you know, cats and all kinds of stuff that can get your, well, there's cats up here too, but the cats down there <laughs> are experts. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I mean, then... They would eat whatever whatever um, their family wasted, and then they would be responsible for the rest of their feed, of their diet. So, you know, chickens back then were different. They were not like the production breeds now. A lot of production breeds have lost a bit of that instinct to forage, mm-hmm. and you can tell. Like they'll, they'll hang around the food bowl. They're not, you know, they're, they're not out there like really pecking and scratching and looking for the next meal. Um, just not in the same way that other breeds will. If you go, if you go, uh, further South or you go to Hawaii or you go to, um, you know, India, you're going to see chickens that are a little bit different and they're smaller. Um, they're just like lighter, um, and they are excellent foragers. So that's one thing to remember. Like there is, there is a difference. We have really changed chickens over the last hundred years, production breed chickens. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I just think, okay, they, they, they eat insects, they eat greens, um, they'll eat small animals. They'll eat a snake, you know, small snake, frogs, mice, um, you know, they'll eat eggs, they'll, they will eat, hopefully not their own eggs, but you know, egg, the eggs of other animals, like they are omnivores. So I think what I, what I will tell people is, you know, however you're going to do that, however you're going to do it, have as your foundation, this rem- remembrance of how chickens are naturally. Have that, that be your foundation. And remember, there's always an exception to the rule. So if everything is, you know, going nuts and the price of feed, of chicken feed is just skyrocketing, which it did, you know, it was skyrocketing recently. And I I kept seeing these articles from, from other people that were saying like, okay, well, the price of feed has gone up, but that doesn't mean you can't, you should, you can stop feeding your chickens chicken feed. And I'm like, well, you know, when, when do we, when do we give people a pass to do what they need to do in order to survive and chickens too? Yeah. You know, there's always, there's always an exception to the rule. So remember that. Um, and, and just uh, keep the chicken's natural state as part of your found as, as the main part of your foundation and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is uh, so wise because it's, it, when you look back at the natural state of something, you really get closer to its healthy state, right? Oh yeah. The way it was kind of created to exist. And, you know, a chicken was never created to exist off of pelleted chicken feed. That, that just was not the natural combination that was out there that was created. Now, like you said, we've bred specialty. We've done all this specialty breeding to up the production. Um, so the changes of the chicken, the uh, body of the chicken has changed a little bit to need some of these higher nutrient uh, density foods. Yes. But in general, if you look back to the nature of it and what it was meant to eat, you're going to start avoiding some of the problems that come naturally with any animal, right? Yes. When we get out of balance, when we stop eating what we're supposed to eat, all of a sudden we open the door to a lot of health problems. And it's true for all the animals too, including chickens. Getting back to some of those things just increases their health. Now, I know I have heard from people, and I don't know if you've heard this very many times, but People will say, well, I want to feed my chickens the uh, kitchen scraps or grass, but my chickens won't touch it. Um, Have you heard that very often? I am. I do. I I have heard it. Um, When I hear that, I will look that person in the eye and I'll say, okay, I want you to tell me what else you're feeding your chickens. Like, (laughs) are you... Are you, are you giving them a lot of treats? 
you know, because chickens will get, they'll, they will turn their nose up. They'll get spoiled and they'll, they'll be like, what is this? Like, I want, you know, what you gave me yesterday, but chickens are also like, they are chickens. They will eat what is available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, you know, try, try to make it as healthy as you can. I think one of the great things is that when you, for a lot of people, they start focusing on, well, I want to give my kid, my chickens kitchen scraps. I want them to be healthy. And because of that, they actually start eating healthier mm. so that they can feed their chickens healthier, you know, and I think that's great. You know, however you can get to that point, that's great. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say is like, okay, uh, if your chickens aren't eating, any of these scraps, then are you giving them too many treats? Like, yeah. are they, are they getting a little spoiled there? Because mm. they, they will eat that stuff. Like they will, like they'll eat sprouts, they'll eat, uh, greens. That's a, that should be a, a, a good portion of their diet. So yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> we've and also yes, I've found, heard that many times. <laughs> yeah, you have too. Okay, good. We, we've also found that getting, um, green feeds into and some insects into their brood coop when they're very young seems to really kind of prime their diet for eating that. And we found that we do that right off at the very beginning, right? Just starting days old when we get those chicks in. Oh, yeah. You know, they may not eat a ton of it at that point, but they sure start pecking at it and they get interested Mm -hmm. in it. And uh, that that can be a great way to get them started. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll tell people, look at, think about what a mother hen will do. You know, when you give, when a a mother hen hatches out baby chicks, she waits for them until they get all of them are hatched out that are going to hatch out. They're all fluffy. They're nice. They're not like wet or whatever and wobbly or anything. They're fluffy little chicks. And then at that point she will take them out into the chicken yard or onto pasture or wherever, whatever environment she's in. And those chicks will eat whatever she tells them to eat. And she's not going to just say, you know, you only need your starter feed. Like (laughs) 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 she's going to show them little things in the dirt. You know, they're going to get exposed to all the microbiome, you know, all the little critters everywhere. And they in general will be more resilient than chickens raised in brooders. Now I'm not saying don't raise a chicken in a brooder. I've certainly done it many, many times. I love it. But I think it's, I think it's a good idea to keep in mind how they would be raised naturally and try to mimic that. And you're going to end up with healthier chickens that way. You know, are there, are there risks? Absolutely. Anytime you walk outside, there is going to be a risk. You know, anytime you put an animal outside, there is a risk. There are risks in the environment. But we have to we have to calculate risk versus risk. What is the risk of keeping a chicken inside for the first eight weeks of its life and not having any exposure to the outside? You know, and then all of a sudden we put them outside and we don't know why they have coccidiosis. Yeah. You know, so, Yeah. I mean, and there are plenty of educators that would very much disagree with everything I'm saying right now, but I'm just kind of a, a, you know, I, I really, I, I lean very natural and I try to look at, you know, how this has worked for millennia Mm -hmm. and go with that. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Now, as we're talking about their foods, what are foods that they shouldn't eat? If we're talking about trying to get some of those kitchen scraps to them, I, di- I actually had a bad experience one time where I had a, uh, a small secondary house on our property and we had some friends living there and I had told them, oh, you can just throw your kitchen scraps out to the chickens. And I didn't think to qualify that. And I actually ended up with several chickens dead mysteriously right at that moment. And so I don't know what it was that went out. But by the time I went out there, there was my, my suspicion. It was a lot of avocado. Okay. Um, and I've heard that chickens can't eat avocado, but I've never seen the science behind it. So that's why I'm like, this is the only thing I can figure out that could have gotten in there. Um are there things that they shouldn't eat? Is it true that something could kill them? 
usually it's not like, you know, people think in really black and white terms. So it's like, oh, you know, my chickens had an apple seed and now they're going to die because there's, you know, whatever is in it, uh, cyanide or whatever's in it, uh, arsenic. Um, and when people say that, I think, okay, um, apple's been around for a long time. Birds have been around for a long time. Like literally one of the ways that seeds get spread into the environment is from animals eating them and then uh, pooping them out. And then they go, you know, they get fertilized and they're, they're going to grow somewhere else. So you know, usually it's, it's kind of, we get kind of like these brain worms, like these mm-hmm. internet brain worms, and then it spreads. <laughs> um, and whenever anyone says anything about avocados, and I'm not saying that you're wrong or right about what, you know, your thesis about what happened, your, your, your idea about what may have happened. Um, I think about Guatemala. Okay. In Guatemala, there's avocado trees everywhere, you know, and there's chickens everywhere. Um, Definitely chickens are eating avocado in Guatemala. Okay. Now, it it is the seed, which they're not going to eat. They can't eat the seed. Nobody can eat the seed, you know, can take a bite into that that big crazy seed. Um, There's the seed and the skin that is thought to have... Um, something in it that's not good for them. I, my, I imagine they would need to eat a lot of it in order to be affected by it. Um, sometimes domestic chickens don't have as much of a natural instinct to avoid things that they should avoid. Mm-hmm. And the more that they are, uh, this isn't always the case, but the more that they are enclosed, the less of that instinct seems like the less of that instinct they're going to have. Now, I don't have a scientific study to, to back that up, but it does seem like that is the case. So my chickens are in an enclosed run. And so I, I feel like on some level, I'm just a little bit more mindful of just like, well, you know, I'm not going to give them, um, you know, something that I, just a whole tub of something and I don't know what's in it. Right. Um, it's possible that they got, you know, disease is always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, botulism is one that can happen just, you know, naturally in the environment, they got into something and, uh, sometimes people use, um, pesticides, um, or other, you know, poisons for rodents. And then they get into an area where they eat a rodent and then, and then that's not good. So there's a lot of factors. I wouldn't necessarily say, well, it's the avocado, but it also depends like how much avocado are these people eating? Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, and maybe they ate this, they ate the skins and they ate a lot of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but in general, like the flesh is okay for it was, them. Uh, it was just a guess on my part, but yeah. uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying because so, for so many of the other animals on the homestead, we kind of just have the experience and the practicality, I guess, to say, oh, you can throw it all out there. They won't eat it if it's not good for them. And that's yeah. true most of the time. Um, but you know, maybe in an enclosed coop, I don't know. Are there other foods that you would avoid giving them? Um, donuts and hot dog, you know, (laughs) um, things that are not necessarily great for me to have. And certainly not, I mean, if you're out there and you have a little piece of donut and you give it to them, like they're not going to drop dead. It just doesn't work like that. Um, it's like with people, you want it to be balanced. Um, you wouldn't want to be eating a whole bunch of junk food and then giving it to your chickens. Like eventually that's going to catch up with them just like it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. So I think uncooked rice, you know, that that's, that's one that kind of gets me. Um, I don't really know because certainly in other areas of the world, birds are eating a lot of uncooked rice. Right. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's going to kill them if you, you know, if they end Mm -hmm. up eating some uncooked rice, but in general, I think it's better to cook it for them. And even like rice, you would want to just be very balanced about it. 
Um, but there's definitely chicken. I mean, just think about chicken, you know, chickens in China. Like, I mean, they're eating, that's what, that's what the people there are eating large, you know, large quantities of rice. And so chickens are eating that too. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing is just to remember to keep it balanced, just like, just like we do, you know, us as human beings, when we're feeding our children or we're feeding ourselves, hopefully we have that intuition of just like, okay, this is what a balanced diet is. Like we kind of have that in us. Mm -hmm. And I think we can extend that to our chickens and really just use common sense and think about things in terms of, of a balanced diet rather than being like, oh my gosh, you know, what can I, I I have to measure everything, you know? And it's like, at that point, you're not having the experience that your ancestors had. <laughs> like at all. It's, it's stressful. It's not supposed to be stressful, you know? But, well, the practicality of that is just so freeing in a lot of ways. So I really like the way you're presenting that is just like, you know, yeah, there's, there's little bits of stuff maybe in their diet that wouldn't be great. Occasionally our kids have candy, you know, like good old fashioned store-bought candy that I would yeah. not think of as any form of health food. Um, you know, but as long as we keep it an extremely small part of the diet, is it going to really be that detrimental? Probably not. So just having that balanced approach is kind of key to a lot of things in life, isn't it? It, it really is. And that, I mean, yeah. that's the whole reason why I made the Chickenlandia chicken food pyramid pyramid. Because I was responding to a lot of people who were like, I need you to tell me, you know, I heard from someone else that I can only give them, uh, you know, a, a, a teaspoon of certain things. And I was like, what? <laughs> go out and grow some treats to your chickens. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, we, we like creating arbitrary rules, I think, as humans. <laughs> yes, yes. We, we definitely will complicate things. It's certainly in the Western world, we will really compli complicate things. Yeah. Now, I really appreciate the way you're talking about keeping maybe the chicken feed as a base level for most people. But if you were in a situation where all of a sudden you couldn't get chicken feed, what would you do? How would you feed your chickens? I would feed them the way my grandmother fed, my great grandmother fed them. I would feed them what we waste. Mm -hmm. um, I would sprout grains, seeds, legumes, um, even beans, you know, raw beans are not great for chickens, but if you sprout them, it changes their digestibility. Um, that's what I, that's what I would do. I would remember how it's been done for millennia and not worry about it. And, you know, could it be, you know, is it possible that over time, uh, you know, not having that base of this like high, you know, all these, the nutrients that are in chicken feed. Okay. That not having that base might affect their reproductive systems in time. Yes. They're not going to drop dead. Like people will be like, Oh, my chicken, you know, they're going to die. They're not going to die. Like they, they will continue to lay. They may not lay as much. And you may think this is not the best case scenario, but it is absolutely an appropriate scenario for your situation. And I, I would really encourage people not to feel bad or that they're doing it wrong because they have had to make that choice, mm. you know, and even if they want to make that choice, just not out of necessity, but out of this uh, feeling of wanting to be more sustainable, then go for it. You know, I'll say just totally go for it and don't even think, you know, don't feel bad for a second. Those chickens, if they have, if they have a choice, if you ask them, look, you know, if you stay here, I can't give you chicken feed. You know, you might not live to be 12 if you stay here, um, but you'll have lots of kitchen scraps and you, you know, you can eat bugs and stuff. Um, it, or you could go live in this factory farm. You will have all the chicken feed you will want. In fact, that's all you will do all day. That's all you'll have to do is eat. <laughs> So you let me know what you want to do. And what do you think that chicken's going to say? 
Yeah. Well, if it was me, I know what I would say. I would go crazy in a factory. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, why am I, you know, why are you asking me this? <laughs> well, I think that's a good point though. And I love that, you know, a lot of those foods that you mentioned that you would go to, you know, yes, you have your kitchen scraps. What I've realized in our household of we have between 13 and 15 people at our table, most meals, um, is that we generate a lot of kitchen scraps. Most people don't generate nearly as many kitchen scraps as we do. Um, And so if you're a smaller household and you want to think about feeding your chickens, you know, a lot of the foods that she just mentioned um, are very storable you know, whole grains that you can sprout, beans that you can sprout, seeds that you can sprout. Those things are something you can buy bulk and store very easily. Unlike, honestly, even the chicken feeds, those are all pre-ground grains. Yeah, You know, we wouldn't do that as humans. I wouldn't hand you a bag of pre-ground fresh flour and say, oh, you know, just store it for 10 years. It'll be fine. Eat it later. We'd all go, oh, that is so bad for you because that's all going rancid. You're losing all the nutrition in it. You know, so even looking at getting better nutrition for your chickens, maybe starting to supplement with some of these sprouted grains that have been stored whole is probably a really great way to go. And then you've got your kitchen scraps along with that. Um, And I know for us with a milk cow and we make a lot of cheese, we have a huge amount of whey left over. And so we often will soak grains in um, for the chickens in the way, and then oh feed them God. the soaked grains or the fermented grains. And, you know, that's just another way of getting them something that's maybe not technically chicken feed, but has a very high amount of nutrition for them and uh, spreads that diet out. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, there's many, many educators that would say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You know, they, they can't have dairy. Don't do that. It's like, how, how long have farmers been doing this? Yeah. You know, (laughs) but, um, and that's not to put down, I, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm always kind of putting down other educators. Like I learned everything, a lot of what I know from other educators. And even if I don't agree with many of the, you know, some of the things that they say, like, I'm so appreciative that they're out there. And because that's how, you know, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, but I do wish that we would not look at everything through this factory farm lens because that is what's happened. You know, we, we, we have this way of doing things and it really comes out of that industry. But if you look all over the world, things are done completely differently and in in a more sustainable, in a more sustainable way. And we've taken this practice that has traditionally been, very sustainable and made it into something that uses resources in a big way. And it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Josh always says, you know, our modern model for agriculture has all, we've lost the historical knowledge as a culture. And so our small agricultural model is all based on this commercial ag and this big corporate agricultural model and people just trying to distill that down. They keep the rules, right? Those those arbitrary rules, they keep those rules and then they try to apply them to a small homestead or backyard situation. And, you know, they become very arbitrary rules. Yeah. If you're cramming, sorry, (laughs) cramming thousands of birds into a very small space you need to have a lot of rules about how to keep them, you know, healthy, all the medications you have to give them in order yeah, to keep them healthy. Just keep them breathing. Right. Yeah. You have to have all these rules. But when you take away that factory farming, that mass, you know, scenario where there's so many animals all crammed together and you put them in a healthy environment in a backyard, all of a sudden we can go back to being practical. We can use common sense again, right? And it's so amazing that you are just kind of giving us permission to do that. You're saying, hey, look, relax a little bit. They're chickens. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> and they, it's not world hunger. Resilient. <laughs> <laughs> it's chickens. <laughs> and I love, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I love my chickens. I just had um, my rooster. I had this little rooster 
He was a huge pain in the butt. He would attack me every day. I let him live and he still attacked me. <laughs> he was a little guy, you know? Um, and I had him, he was chronically ill for six years. And oh, I had, wow. a, I, I, I took loving care of him. You know, he would get sick. I would take care of him. I'd nurse him back to health and he'd go back to attacking me. And so I would always be like, oh, you know, he's chasing me. He's, but he was little, so it didn't matter. You got a full-size rooster attacking you. That's a whole yeah. scenario, okay? He's a little guy. And um, he finally, he passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. And mm -hmm. I tell you what, I really cried. I really did. I mean, there's just some of them, you look at them and you see a little bit of like human eyes looking back at you. And so... I, I, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, what you're suggesting is not that great for chickens because I'll always say like, look, don't put these roadblocks up. We need more education. I understand that not everybody's going to do it perfectly. You know, sometimes it's not the best case scenario, but we can't be telling people don't get chickens. We need to tell them get chickens and people will come back to me and say, well, they won't take care of them well, you know, they won't, they can't, they can't afford to keep them. They can't afford to predator proof for them. And I'll say, I absolutely love chickens. And it's because of that love that I want to see less of them in a factory farm. So yes, will there be instances where people, you know, sometimes people, they don't know, they make big mistakes, you know, and chickens can die. But I think with education, we can have less than that. And the answer to that is not that less people have chickens. It's that more people get chickens and we get more education out there. And then ultimately, you know, maybe we can put these factory farmers out of business. Well, amen to that. So <laughs> thank you for everything you're doing to get the word out about chickens and to educate so people welcome. and a great conversation today. I love the thoughts of just alternate ways of feeding them, making them work for you in whatever situation you're in. I think that's just words of wisdom right there. So, hey, you guys, if you have not checked out Dahlia's uh, YouTube channel, her blog. There's all sorts of great information over there. Go check her out at welcome to chickenlandia.com. And uh, thanks again for joining us today. You are so welcome. It was great being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.